God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us. Be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Mine. Mine. I hear these words a lot. I hear them a little bit less than I used to, but I still hear them all the time. And it is rare that the words are ever said in a very kind of gentle way. You know, you rarely say mine without a little edge to it, because it's usually something you think you deserve. I mean, you never say, oh, that's mine, mine. That's like mine, you know, give that to me. Somebody was saying at the 8 o'clock service, the episode from Finding Nemo, where all the seagulls are going, mine, 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 mine. It's just stop. So it's always somewhat shrill when it's said. Um, It's as if the world were coming to an end. Um, And I hear it. Less than I used to, but still, you know, a good couple dozen times a day. Those are my fries. Um, That's my cake. It's no longer that's my toy. Now it's that's my iPad. That's my phone. Put it down. It doesn't belong to you. We were at the beach um, not too long ago, and somebody found an old Kindle that belonged to my son, William. Actually, it was his sister. So you can already see that this is a disaster waiting to happen, can't you? So she has it, and she charges it and thinks, well, I found this. And so she starts um, messing around with it, and he sees it, hasn't seen it in four years. It sat at the bottom of a drawer, and he says, Dad, that's mine. She cannot have that. You tell her to give that to me. I said, you haven't seen it in four years. How on earth could you possibly even care about this item? Mine. It's mine. It doesn't matter. It's, the, it's a justice issue, right? It's a fairness issue. I've got to have it. Um, it's a human condition that's innate in almost all of us. It is innate in all of us. We're territorial. We want what's ours. We want what we think is ours, what's fair, what's just, what's right. And it's not always in the eyes of the world. Many times it's what we think is fair, just, or right, which tends to be very different from what your neighbor thinks. Trust me on that one. Um, And you would think that once that frontal lobe kind of develops, early 20s or so is what they say, that it would stop, that we would begin to kind of rationally think about um, resources and things that we have in our life um, and stop doing that. But we don't stop doing that. I don't stop doing that, unfortunately. I wish I could stand up here and tell you that I did but I still find it welling up inside of me. And you throw my brothers and my brother and my sisters in the mix and it really wells up. Even, you know, though we're all well into adulthood, it still happens, right? You can't help yourself almost, but it's no longer plastic toys or iPads that are involved. It's larger things now. It's people, it's relationship, it's love. Well, you always were the favorite, You always were, you know, you always got more attention. That's my attention. I want that attention, right? It's mine. Um, Or 
when we're a little bit younger. That's my girlfriend. That's my boyfriend. You can't. Don't talk to her. Don't talk to him. Um, that's my friend. You can't have a relationship with, with her or with him. That's, that's the relationship we have. You're infringing on that. And I still see that happen with people in their 40s and their 50s. Well, why are you hanging out with her? So you had lunch with, uh, with her? Yeah. Is she your best buddy now? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. I guess that's replaced me, right? You know, as if there's not enough friendship to go around for everybody. We become greedy. We become greedy not just with our things or with relationships, but with our time and with everything else that you can think of. I got to have me time. I got to have this. I got to have that. I got to, I got to. Okay. And you would think that the world would call it what it is, but we collectively as the world don't. We hold it up as something to um, exemplify, something that we should imitate in one way or another. Um, Greed, but we don't call it greed. It's um, efficiency, it's, uh, you watch a reality television show. Let's just use it as simple as the one where they're voting people off of an island or voting people out of a house. Um, They form relationships with people just so that they can betray those relationships, just so that they can win a prize, just so that they can be the one that survives the next... Mine! It's my place! It's mine! Who cares what we have to do to get there? I want what's mine. I deserve this because I'm better than he is or than she is. This is from a... I used to love this song. I don't know who sings it. Um, anyway, I'm, I was trying to think. I'll stand here for 10 minutes trying to think of it. But it was a song called Rockstar from about 10 years ago. Y'all remember that song? I want a new tour bus full of old guitars, my own star on Hollywood Boulevard. Somewhere between Cher and James Dean is fine with me. I'm going to trade this life for fortune and fame. I'd even cut my hair and change my name because we all just want to be big rock stars and live in hilltop mansions driving 15 cars. And it goes on. We hold it up as the goal. Mine. What's mine? What's fair? What's just? What I deserve? And so in today's gospel, we get into this kind of mine. This idea of sharing. And so a guy comes to Jesus and he asks him an estate law question, really, as if Jesus is going to solve all the problems of the world, but probably thought, I'll show you this man who's fair and just and has this reputation, I'm going to show you. And it's the younger brother, right? And he comes to him and asks him to make his, force his older brother to share the inheritance with him, right? To split the estate. It's not fair. I didn't get mine. And in the ancient world, the oldest son got everything. And so I'm very, you know, sensitive to this because I'm the younger son, right? In my family, I think, well, I don't blame him. I'd go ask Jesus that too. And so, he, and you know, if you're a daughter, forget it. You know, you don't get anything. And so you have the youngest son, so me and my sisters would get nothing while my older brother got everything. So it doesn't seem fair, does it? So he comes to him and he says, this isn't fair. Even you could see this isn't fair. I want what's mine. 
And so Jesus sees right through that, doesn't answer his question, but he basically says, you think it's about fairness, but at its heart, it's about greed. Take heed and beware of all covetousness, for man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he tells a parable. And John Claypool says, anytime you hear Jesus tell a parable, a story that kind of has a hidden message in it, Think about it this way. Jesus is always using love to cast out fear. So put that over any parable. What's the fear that Jesus is trying to use love to cast out here with this parable or this story, right? So we'll come back to that in just a second. He tells a story about a farmer who has, has done very well for himself. He's got all of these crops and all of this stuff, and he thinks, what am I going to do with all of my possessions? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll build barns. I'll build storehouses so I can store it all up for my old age so that then I can eat, drink, and be merry. So he builds up these storehouses, and he gets all of this stuff, and then he looks at it, and he says to himself, self, don't you? That, I think that's funny in the, in the gospel. I don't know what. Self, look what I have done. Look what I have created. And then God calls him a fool. You fool. So why does God call him a fool? I mean, we would say he'd be on the cover of Fortune magazine today. I mean, he's the, the poster child for the 401k savings plan. I mean, this guy has got it together. He was a diligent saver. He did all of these wonderful things. Is, is God calling him a fool because he was successful? Or because he was a saver? No. He had disordered desire. We never hear about him sharing what he had. We never hear about him eating, drinking, and being merry with his friends or his family. It's all about what will be. Kind of living in the tomorrow. And let me tell you from personal experience, when you live in tomorrow, you will always live in tomorrow and you will never live today. Your life will be robbed from you every single day of your life. He's being greedy. He's hoarding it for himself. He lacks the faith that God will ultimately provide. He's not being a good steward of what he has. Not that you shouldn't save, not that you shouldn't do this, but when you hoard everything to the exclusion of all others, it's a selfish life indeed. It's not always our possessions, is it? Our feelings, our time. We've talked about that. In our desire to do or be or have, we keep it all, and slowly we lose faith in the God who will provide It's a loss of patience at the end of the day, I think, which we're in a world that is filled with a loss of patience. Adele Bastavros, who is a Coptic theologian, an Egyptian theologian in the Coptic church, he said this, he said, patience with others is love. Patience with ourselves is hope. Patience with God is faith. And we have a lot of trouble with the last two. Because we don't have patience with ourselves. 
Oh, I'm such a failure. How could I ever do that? I'll never amount to anything. Oh my gosh, she broke up with me. Now the world is over. Life is going to end. And that fear causes us to begin to hoard things. And we lose hope in tomorrow, so we hoard it all in today. Or we lose patience with God. That the God who knew you before you were born, who has a plan for you, who promises to be with you to the end of the age, will somehow decide on a random Tuesday afternoon that he's going to give up on you. And so we hedge our bets just in case. Just in case. Mine, mine, mine. Tell a story. And I may have told this. I don't think I've told this before. It's my favorite story almost of all time little parable and it's a man who is a collector and he's got a ton of money I mean this guy's like the one percent the kind of life that you just can only imagine that you see on television and think oh my gosh and he has this pearl collection it's the world's greatest pearl collection it's amazing We're talking tens of millions of dollars worth of freshwater pearls, saltwater pearls, black pearls, white pearls, everything you could imagine. And so everywhere he goes all over the world, he's always looking for another pearl, another thing to add to his collection. And so he's in kind of an urban center, and he walks by this storefront. And it's one of those that has dust kind of caked on the the window where you can barely, you almost think it's a film over it, but then it's actual dirt. You seen one of those windows? So this, this pearl catches his eye, the corner of his eye. And he goes to the window and he just stares at it. He thinks that will be the crown jewel of my pearl collection. This is awesome. So he goes into the shop. The bell rings. Walks in there. And he says, sir. He sees the storekeeper at the back, an older gentleman. He says, how much for the pearl in the window? He says, the Pearl's not for sale, but I have a number of other beautiful things that are for sale. The man kind of chuckles to himself. Everything's for sale. How much you want? Pearl in the window. You name your price. Sir, the pearl is not for sale. Oh, I see how this is going to be. Pulls out his checkbook. I haven't even had the thing appraised. I'll give you $100,000 for it right now. Hundred grand. i will write you a check. Sir, the pearl's not for sale. Okay, so you're going to play a hard bargain. Um, You're a good negotiator. I'll give you a million bucks right now. Write your check. Sir, the pearl is not for sale. And this went on and on, right, until they got to about five million bucks. You know, just a ton of money. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the money and I got a house in Aspen. I'll give you that too. Sir, the pearl's not for sale. All right? I'll give you my house in Aspen, my house in Florida along the beach, and I'll give you the money. Sir, the pearl is not for sale. So he's beginning, you can hear the desperation in his voice. He keeps throwing more money and more stuff on the pot until he finally says, I'll I'll give you all of that and I'll give you my children. (laughs) Sir, the pearl is not for sale. I'll give you all that. I'll give you my children. I'll give you my wife. 
sir, the pearl is not for sale. So he's offered everything in his life, every relationship, every item that he has, still no luck. So he begins to walk out dejected from the shop. And as the bell rings, the shop owner says, hold on just a second. I'll tell you what, I'll take it all and you can have the pearl. I want it all. I want, I want your stuff. I want your houses. I want your children. I want your wife. But I'll tell you what. I'm a man of limited wants and desires. I live above the shop. I don't need your houses, so I'm going to let you hold on to those. My kids are grown, so I don't really want your kids back in here, right? So I'm going to let you hold on to those. And your wife, I've got a wife. I don't think she'd be happy with yours coming in here. And so I'm going to let you hold on to your wife too. So here's the pearl. But remember this. All of that in your life. It all belongs to me. Take good care of it. Mine. There are many things that I treasure in my life. My possessions, not really, but my children, my time, my wife, my family. And yet so many times in this world we hoard all of those things. We protect them in destructive ways. We, we want it all for ourselves, thinking that there won't be a tomorrow or just in case and we lose hope and we lose patience. But ultimately, all of it is a gift from God. All of it. Every bit of it. How are we being stewards of that in the world? But as we treat those things in our lives, those people, those relationships in our lives as stewards of the Almighty, as the one who was, who is, and who will be to the very end of the age that we see and that we don't see, when we stake our hope and our life and our claim on that and become stewards of all that we are entrusted with, of the Almighty God. What a difference. What a difference it makes. Amen.